Hey, thanks so much for choosing the Haven House of Revival Sermon of the Week. We pray that this sermon impacts your heart and inspires you to change your life and the world around you for God. Please enjoy the message. All right, everyone stand up for a moment. All right, close your eyes and just say, Holy Spirit, give me eyes to see and ears to hear what you have to say to me this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, grab a seat. So this isn't going to be a long message, but it's one message that has absolutely completely changed my life. And I'm talking about the person, the Holy Spirit. And I'll be honest, when I, growing up as a pastor's kid in the church, like many of you, um, my idea of the Holy Spirit was that he was kind of this aura, or I knew he was God, but he kind of showed up when he wanted to show up, and he kind of floated around, you know what I mean? Right, he just did his own thing, and he was just kind of this, almost like a cloud type figure, but he's God, and he, in heaven he just kind of floats around and touches people. That was my viewpoint of him. And talking with many people in the church, that kind of characterizes a lot of what the church believes about him. And I remember what happened to me, my first real encounter with him in a tangible way like that, beyond him just touching me, was I was in a meeting, uh, like a, a service, and the, the, the preacher, he, we had this incredible time where People were just getting touched by God. People were just on the floor. Some people were laughing. Some people were just standing and just completely in peace. And the, the preacher said, the Holy Spirit is here. And I'll never forget this. And I had my eyes closed. But I'll tell you this. When you see in the Spirit, it doesn't matter if your eyes are open or closed because you see. And my eyes were closed and I actually saw him walk into the room, the Holy Spirit. And I saw him as a person. And he was, I can only describe him as, he was like my height, roughly. So he wasn't super tall. But he was like translucent blue. Like I couldn't see the characteristics of like his, his nose or his ears or his eyes, but he just looked like a person. And he walked up and I was standing there and he walked up to me. And I could see him with my eyes closed, and he just leaned right into my face, like six inches away. And I could just feel like every part of my being just vibrating. And that was my first encounter. I saw him, and I was like, maybe I misunderstand who he is. He's not just a, he's not a cloud, he's not an aura, he's a person. And I want to go into a few things that I've learned over the years that I want to share with you guys that's going to be not just information or knowledge, but it's real content of who he is, his character, his heart. And my hope and my prayer is that this would inspire you to get to know him better for who he actually is, not who we've thought him to be. John 14, 26 says this, but the comforter, counselor, helper, intercessor, advocate, strengthener, 
stand by the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. This is Jesus talking. In other words, in my place to represent me and act on my behalf. He, referring to the Holy Spirit, will teach you all things. And he will cause you to recall or will remind you of or bring to your remembrance everything I have told you. He is the one that teaches you. And it's sad that many of us in the church, we don't understand who he is. We don't understand what he does. And we're resistant to him in some capacity. But he is the one that teaches you about God. Without him, you can't actually know God. So do you think it's important maybe that we get to know him? Maybe it's important for us to be on his good side. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know, if you want an in, he's your in, right? The Holy Spirit was sent to transition us, hear me on this, to transition us from being people of the flesh or people of the physical to being people of the spirit. Because up until the Holy Spirit came, when Jesus was here on earth, my fleshly thinking used to think, God, the disciples had it so good. Because they could talk with you, they could hug you, they could hear you, they could do all this stuff. And the Lord reminded me one day, he's like, Joel, no, you actually have it better than they did. Because you have the Holy Spirit. Guys, we got an upgrade. We did. Can you imagine if Jesus was here, right here, right now, like in person like this? Good for us, but the rest of the world would suck. Wow. That's on you, Zach. <laughs> no, it would suck for every one of us. But guys, we got an upgrade. So he meant to transition us to being people of the Spirit. Okay? To understand the activity of the Spirit, we must understand who he is. And we have to come to grasp with reality that we don't really know him. It's his desire that you would take everything you think you know about him, throw it to the ground and approach him, say, God, I don't really know you. I want to know you. Because the moment we think that we've understood him, we close ourselves off from receiving from him, from getting to know him, to pursue him. The same thing can happen in any relationship like a marriage. It's like, I know my spouse. I don't need to get to know them. I don't need to date them anymore. I'm already married. No, you need to continually date them. You need to continue to pursue after them. To let the fascination of who they are never expire. He is our mystery, the Holy Spirit, and our deepest desire, whether you know it or not, is to get to know him. He brings the reality of God to our hearts. It takes God to know God. And you can't do it without him. And those moments that you think that you have enough ambition and desire and hunger to pursue after him, you think that it's you, but it's actually God that triggered that to happen in you. One prayer that I love praying it's called one of the dangerous prayers. You know the dangerous prayers list, right? I've talked about this before, but it's like, God, make me the hungriest man on earth. 
And one time he told me, he's like, do you really want that, Joel? Because it's painful. Extreme discomfort. But if you really want what he wants for you, you'd pray the dangerous prayers. I've joked about it before. It's like the dangerous prayer, like, God, give me patience. And then he gives you opportunities to be patient, right? I was talking to someone this week, right? And uh, I was talking to this individual about, like, God doing deep work in their life. And that's awesome, right? But what happens in, in those moments of you going through a great seasons and times of growth, it's like God reaches down and he pulls stuff up. And for the purpose of it is not for you to go through hell. It's not for him to punish you. It's not for him to make you, he does, he's not sadistic where he thrives on you going through pain. That's not who he is. His purpose is out of love. He wants you to grow into the man or woman of God that he's called you to be. But that cannot escape the reality of the relationship of continually knowing him, walking with him day by day. God is a triune God, one God yet three persons. The Holy Spirit lives in us and we are a temple of the Holy Spirit, 1 Corinthians 6, 19. God deeply wants us to know him and not just a knowing, but an experiential knowing. He simply doesn't want us to know about him, but to intimately know him. My question for you today is, do you intimately know him? Do you intimately know God? Again, not what you were taught in Sunday school, not what you were taught at church two weeks ago, but do you intimately know him? Do you know what's on his mind? What's on his heart? What is he saying right now? What is he saying about your life? What is he saying about your family? What is he saying about everything? Because all of this is so connected to being a person in the spirit. And I know that could be such a vague terminology, but when you walk with him, your whole life changes. Because most of the trouble that you and I get ourselves into, and guys, I'll dare say that the majority of mental stuff going on nowadays is because it's devoid from a life in the spirit. We've tapped into what the world has to say, what other people are saying, what the devil has to say, and we've neglected and we've forsook what the Lord has to say about situations. Guys, did you know that you were made not to be in fear? You were made not to be in a constant state of stress and chaos. When you are living in stress and chaos, it's because you have tuned into like a radio frequency. I know that's kind of old school, but like you've tuned into the frequency of what the devil has to say about your situations versus what God has to say about it. When you, I promise you, I promise you, you can take this to the bank, that when you've tuned into what he has to say about situations, you won't live in fear. Because he has not given you a spirit of fear. When you take any situation and you start talking to the Holy Spirit about this thing in your life, he will start bringing comfort. He will start bringing peace. He'll start bringing clarity. Now, that doesn't mean that everything will be perfect in your life. But guys, I'd rather have him walking beside me knowing that everything's going to be okay and he's going to take care of things for my good in some way or another than trying to figure out all on my own being a, st a stressed nutcase. 
Guys, we've done that long enough. You don't need to be a nutcase. 2 Corinthians 13, the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. We don't use the word communion much other than in church settings nowadays because it's kind of an old school word, but really communion means relationship, fellowship, doing life with. In other words, he's saying, let us do life with the Holy Spirit, being with you all. His name is Holy Spirit. He is a spirit and he is holy. Guys, first name, holy, last name, spirit. Let me just break a religious box there, okay? You will not offend him by calling him holy. Trust me, he doesn't get offended by that. And he kind of wrecked me the other day. I read something and he, the, the author was referring to him as spirit with a capital S. I'm like, I don't call him spirit. And I was kind of like, you know, internally manifesting. <laughs> Come on, you'll have done it. And so then I just started talking. I was like, okay, I trust this guy. And so I just started calling him spirit. And it made him happy. First of all, he's just happy that you're talking to him. Right? But to start talking to him, he's holy. His desire, he gave me this word this morning. His desire is that he would terraform our lives so that we would look like him. And I looked up a definition of, it's actually kind of like a science fiction terminology about like people coming into a different planet and terraforming it, it basically restructuring it and changing it to, to be something that has life. That's a perfect picture of what he wants to do is he wants to come into your life and I don't care if you're saved or not, he wants to come into your life, every area of your life and terraform it. In other words, your life in this area looks like crap. It's terrible. You're stressed, you're anxious, you're fearful, you've messed up a lot of things. Come on, my, is anyone register with that, what I just described? Okay, and the other half of you are lying. Okay, that, that thing, he wants to come into your life and completely change it terraform it to have something to look like him. And he won't stop until you say stop or you walk away. And we, as believers, we resist from time to time. It's too painful, God. He's like, I know it's painful. And so sometimes he stops for a moment. How many people have gone to massage before? Praise the Lord. You know, sometimes like you need something really worked out, right? Somebody's working it, right? And how many times have you been like, ah, stop, 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 right? But it's good for you. And if they're savage like Ginger, she'll keep going. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> you know, but like sometimes they'll back off, right? Until you chill out a bit. The Holy Spirit does that too. He's a gentleman. He doesn't force himself. But he, he will come back to that because he's like, I see that knot in your life. I see that thing and I love you too much to walk away from that. So he gets back in, into it, right? It's because he loves you. Keep going. He is a spirit being. So what does spirit mean? A.W. Tozer said this, spirit is a specific and identifiable substance 
It is not definable. It can at least be described spirit as a real as matter, but is another made of being than matter. Matter is one mode of being. Spirit is another mode of being as authentic as matter. So matter is what you taste, feel, and touch. Matter operates through our physical five senses. You guys know that. This is completely different than spirit. I'll continue on, A.W. Tozer. One power of the spirit, of any spirit, for I'm talking about the spirit now, nor about the Holy Spirit, is its ability to penetrate. Matter bumps into other matter and stops. It cannot penetrate. Spirit can penetrate everything. For instance, your body is made of matter and your spirit has penetrated your body completely. Spirit can penetrate spirit. It can penetrate personality. Oh, if God's people could only learn that spirit can penetrate personality, that your personality is not impenetrable substance, but it can be penetrated. Your personality and who you are, because that's a big thing nowadays, it's like, this is who I am, right? Is not beyond God's ability to touch, transform, and renew. You can either dig in your heels and say, well, this is the way that God made me. No, that's called you have a stubborn spirit and you need to cast it out. It's true, right? Everyone knows the scripture for, um, what is it about the witchcraft scripture? Give it to me. Rebellion, thank you. For everyone knows this in church, for rebellion's the same sin as witchcraft. How many people know that? And so it's like, you aren't listening to me, woman. You're a rebellious spirit. You have witchcraft. You know, it's like we're so easy to grab a hold of this stuff. Come on, don't judge me. You guys know what you're talking about, right? Everyone's like, that's rebellion, that's rebellion, that's rebellion. Oh, they aren't serving a kids' ministry. Rebellion, cast out the witchcraft, right? And all this stuff. We're so, we're so easy to label our brothers and sisters with witchcraft, right? But if you read on the other half of the verse, which very few people do, and it says, and idolatry is the same, or stubbornness is the same thing as idolatry. And stubbornness is the same as idolatry. In other words, you know, people say like, oh, I'm just stubborn. Yeah, what you're saying is you have idolatry as spirit. Take off that name tag, right? Cast that out. Christians can't have demons. All right. Like Zach, I dare you to come up here. <laughs> Been there, done that. <laughs> Anyways, okay, we'll keep going. I'm kind of digging a hole here. It's fine. Justin could clean it up. All right, the Spirit of God operates as a spirit, and this is what he is first and foremost. He is not an atmosphere, but a spirit, the Spirit of God, the third person of the Trinity. And oftentimes the church treats him like, you know the family reunions? He's like the drunk uncle in the corner. Like, oh, Uncle Joe came. Just leave him alone, right? He'll kind of do his own thing, right? And everyone huddles around Jesus. You know, he's my BFF. He died for me. We're close. And the father, oh, he loves me. And, you know, hopefully he doesn't discipline me because I really don't understand who he is. And then there's the Holy Spirit over there. Okay, we forget about him. He's a holy God. He's holy and he's looking for holiness of the Spirit of God. We must understand that he is holy and he calls us to be holy. 1 Peter 1.16 says this, Be holy for I am holy. We must know this so that we can, can commune with him. You see, we have this backwards, guys. 
We try to fix ourselves so that God could be near us, but God wants to be near us so he can fix us. I'll say it again because that went over half your heads. We have it backwards. We try to fix ourselves so that God can be near us, but God wants to be near you so that he can fix you. In other words, we, we, we hesitate coming to him because we're like, I'm not perfect enough. I, I did this thing yesterday. I did this thing last week. And oh, this is a time and a season of me really struggling here. I shouldn't even be in church today. I shouldn't be talking to him. And I feel like he's ready to discipline me if I do come to him. Because maybe you had a parent in your life before that every time you would, they knew you did something wrong. And then when you went home, you know what would happen. It's like you would get your butt whooped. It's like we have this idea with God, like next time I step into his house or I step before him, he's going to give me what I have owing to me. That's not how it works. How he is, is like the parable of the prodigal son. When the son was at a distance, guys, he was already given his inheritance and he spoiled it on parties and prostitutes and gluttony. And then in the midst of his brokenness, he had the realization Guys, we need the realization. And in this parable, it's like the Holy Spirit prompted him and said, what are you doing? He loves you. And it takes God to know God. It's in these moments where you're in your brokenness, guys, that he's actually the nearest because his heart breaks for you. He's not wanting to beat you up. You beat yourself up way more than he beats you up. Infinitely more. And the prodigal's like, I need to go home. And he goes home. And guys, it says from a distance, the father saw him. Two things here. One, he was watching for him. This was a busy guy, known in his culture, known in his society. And every day he was looking down the road, waiting. Some of you, you've been, you know, I know you're here today, and maybe some people are hearing this too, but... It's like in certain parts of your life, you feel like you've just been down the road and you've just been like, you've forgotten God. It's like, there's this area of my life, it's just, I can't seem to get a hold of it. I can't seem to get it right. And every time I try, it's like I take one step forward and five steps back. And you kind of hide away in shame there. And he's watching you guys. He, every day he's, he's looking for his son. He's looking for him. And another thing too, it says when he saw him, he ran to him. Guys, you think we have this idea that God's waiting for us to run to him. What the father in this parable, with the significance of it, is that he saw from a distance. In other words, he saw him take two steps in the distance. And that was enough for him to run all that God is looking for is he's looking for you just to look at him. It's just like the, the smallest effort of like, God, I need you. And he came running. And now in that culture, one thing I learned was that older men didn't run in that culture. It was actually an embarrassment because the, with the robes and everything, they would actually partially expose themselves. And so you have this old man breaking every cultural tradition, every cultural rule, and running to his son. You see, he looked for the smallest of the smallest of effort 
to literally break every single rule possible so that he can be reconciled. That is the heart of the Father. And the more you get to know the Holy Spirit, the more you get to know God. Start talking to him. He wants to be in your life. I'm gonna rattle off a few things. If you're, if you're writing this down, I'm gonna go bullet point. I'd encourage you to write this down because I'm gonna go really quick. <laughs> but here are a few names and titles of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God. That's Genesis 1-2. Maybe you'll listen to the recording later. I'd encourage you to because I'm gonna give a lot of references. So Spirit of God, Genesis 1-2, 1 Corinthians 3-16. The Spirit of the living God, 2 Corinthians 3-3. The Spirit of the Father, Matthew 10.20. The Eternal Spirit, Hebrews 9.14. The Spirit of Wisdom and Revelation, Ephesians 1.17. The Spirit of Knowledge, Isaiah 11.12. The Spirit of Counsel and Might. Some of you need counsel in your life. He's the great counselor. That's Isaiah 11.2. The Spirit of Burning, that's Isaiah 4.4. The spirit of love. 2 Timothy 1.7, you, you need love in your life? Get him. The spirit of truth, John 15.26 and 16.13. The spirit of grace, Hebrews 10.29. The spirit of prophecy, Revelations 19.10. And here's a few qualities of the Holy Spirit, just so you guys know. Again, I encourage you, if you're missing some of this, just, re- just listen to it after. But he has a mind, that's Romans 8.27. He has a will, 1 Corinthians 12.11. He has emotions, Romans 15.30. He speaks, Acts 13.2. Some Christians, they're like, how can I talk to the Holy Spirit? Because, you know, let, let me make this clear. If he talks to you, you should talk to Thanks. If he talks to you, that means you can talk back. Let's not overcomplicate this. You're not going to get reprimanded from God because you're trying to talk to him. Okay? Uh, he bears witness and testifies, John 15, 26 and Romans 8, 16. All right. He, ins- he instructs um, Nehemiah 9, 20. He prays and makes intercession, Romans 8, 26. He can be grieved. Ephesians 4.30. He can be insulted, Hebrews 10.29. He can be lied to, Acts 5.3. He can be blasphemed, Matthew 12.31.32. He can be resisted, Acts 7.51. He can be quenched, 1 Thessalonians 5.19. Here are a few rules about him. He convicts, John 16.8. Now, pause for a second. We have a misunderstanding of conviction. There's a difference between conviction and condemnation. Condemnation brings death. Conviction brings life. His desire is that in him pointing out things in your life, where he convicts, how you know it's the Holy Spirit is if you feel the life, the love, the joy, and the peace behind it. When he says, hey, Joel, you're doing this wrong and this and this, First of all, typically he only brings up one thing at a time. And when he brings it up, you want to change. You're like, oh my gosh, I want to change that. I'm so sorry. 
It's not like when the devil brings it up. How do you know the devil's bringing condemnation? When he says this, you're full of crap. You're stupid. You are a loser. You, how can God love you? That's the devil talking. Call it for what it is. Stop listening to that voice. And you know it's the devil because you know when it hits your, it hits your mind, you start feeling heavy. You start feeling stressed. You start feeling like, I can't do this. Does it, do people understand what I'm saying here? How do you know it's the Holy Spirit versus the devil? That's how. You will know them by their fruit. What fruit is that voice producing in your life? He regenerates, John 3, 5 to 8. He guides us into all truth, John 16, 13. He sanctifies us. He empowers us. Everything he does, he does to bring life in your life. He fills us. He teach, I have scriptures for all this. He teaches us to pray. He anoints us. He washes us. He sets us free. He reveals the deep things of God. He speaks into us and through us. He transforms us. He casts out demons. He comforts us. He gives us joy. He leads us. He strengthens our spirit. He distributes spiritual gifts and he also manifests them. And he's our guarantee and deposit of our future resurrection. If you want references, I give them after because they're... I, Every book of the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, done. There's so much more to who he is. But my point is this, is that we don't know him. But he wants to get to know you because he loves you. You're his big, he's your biggest fan. Guys, I'll let you in on a little secret. He's obsessed with you. He loves spending time with you. We did this the other day for our family devotions. Guys, there's no such thing as a junior Holy Spirit. It doesn't, he doesn't exist. It's not the Holy Spirit's cousin. There's Junior over there. No, it's who he is. And we taught our kids ever since they were young. They're still young. They're seven and four right now. But we've taught them, you can hear God. And I've taught them, guys... Do you know why we believe as, as believers why it's hard to hear God? Is because we were taught by leaders that God doesn't really speak and it's hard to hear him. Guys, I wanted to break that off my family. So I taught my kids from a young age, it is so easy to hear God. Just like you're hearing me, it's easier to hear God than it is to hear me. And they're like, really? And I'm like, yep. And so when I tell them, hey, ask the Lord about this, I literally give them three to five seconds. What did he say? Oh, he said this. He said that. He said that. And so for just recently, we, I started teaching them about the prophetic. I'm like, all right, we're going to pray for Micah today. Ask the Holy Spirit to give thoughts about him for Micah and then about Hazel. And so they started prophesying over each other. Okay. They're seven and four. I wish I would have learned that. I learned that when I was like in my twenties. Okay. They, they can do it. You can do it. But you have to talk to him. You have to engage with him. There's no such thing as a junior's Holy Spirit. There's no such thing as graduating levels. It's like you have a relationship with him. The more you talk to him, the more you learn to hear him. He wants to be around you. I gotta keep going here and wrap up in a couple minutes. I'll skip that. I have like seven pages of notes and I, I, I should have known that's a bad idea because normally I only get through three. Frick. All right. Romans 8, 11, but the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to our mortal bodies through his spirit 
who lives in you. How do you know you're saved? Because you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. And if the devil's saying, you're not saved, that's because you are saved. It's true. How do you know you're saved? Well, because he said I am. Just tell him to shut up and go. Just re- when he reminds you of your past, remind him of his future, okay? I remember one time, uh, one of my friends, uh, we were doing a deliverance and the, de- uh, the demon was just manifesting and started laughing and my friend just got so upset. He's like, oh, you're laughing at me. Well, let me tell you about where you're going. And he started quoting Revelation about the lake of fire and everything. The demon just shut right up. <laughs> It's awesome. Anyways, okay, um, Romans 8, 9. Now, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he is not his, but you guys have him. You have him. All right, last page. Here we go. I skipped a lot, but it's okay. Galatians 5. I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the, lust, the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. The reason why you and I struggle with walking in the flesh and sinning is because we aren't walking with God in that moment. In other words, if you were to talk to the Lord about the stuff and actually engage with him, he would help you with those things. I shared this on Friday night at the barn. But the problem we get into is we play the devil's games. The devil speaks to you. You hear these thoughts going on in your head about this and that and what you got to worry about. He has an endless list of things that you got to worry about. Have you ever noticed that? It's like the worry list. Hey, Joel, let me remind you. You got to worry about this, 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 all that stuff, right? How about you give that worry list to Jesus? Okay, because he already knows, he already has the solutions for all that stuff. But when you try to, when you are listening to the devil throwing things at you, all these thoughts, they're called flaming arrows. How you fight him is not by fighting him in your mind. Have you ever tried to like, the more like you have these thoughts and worries come at you, the more you try to fight them and to rationalize, well, this is going to be okay because of this. You know what I'm talking about? It's like you try to figure it out. And the more you try to figure out in your mind, the more stressed out you get. Is this just me or does, you guys know what I'm talking about? Okay, so that's like you try to fight him in your mind. That's not how you fight. How you fight him is by speaking out the opposite and the truth over the situation. If you want to shut the devil up, you fight him according to how you can fight and then you're going to win. So if he's saying, Joel, you got to worry about this. You got to worry about money. Look at your bank account. Look at this, look at that. What you do immediately, you speak it out Thank you, God, that you've provided for me, that you've always provided for me. Thank you that you are my provider. Thank you that my provision is coming today and this week. And thank you that I don't need to worry about that. Devil, thanks for the reminder about that. Come again anytime because I need more opportunities to be reminded about praising God and thanking him for my truth. (laughs) Guys, this is easy. You just have to train yourself to do that. It's called a little launch pad. It's like every time the devil comes to whisper, oh, right, I'm not going to engage with that. I'm going to thank God for that. You want to kick the demons out of your house? Start praising him. If you're worried about finances, thank him that you're still here. You have 100% success survival rate of being alive today. You're going to get through it, right? Just start thanking him. Start talking to the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, what do you have to say about this situation? Because I know what this demon has to say about that. I've been listening to him for five years about this. What do you have to say? He's full of crap. Oh, I knew that. Hey, you're full of crap. 
right? What do you have to say about this? And let his words wash over you. Let them hit your mind. But you have to talk to him. Well, Joel, he doesn't talk back. Well, do you listen? Well, no, Joel, I get bored after 30 seconds. At least they're honest. Talk to him. I dare you to be like Jacob, where Jacob wrestled with God. I love this analogy. I've used it all the time. Jacob wrestled with Jesus. Capital A in the Bible. Angel of the Lord is, was actually Jesus, a Christophany. It was Jesus in the Old Testament. So Jesus showed up, wrestled with Jacob. And guys, Jacob was relentless. Do you really want God? I'm going to end with this. Uh, worship team, you want to come on up? <laughs> Do you really want God? Because A.W. Tozer, I love A.W. A.W. Tozer, what he has to say is, you have as much of God as you presently want. I'll say that again. You and I have as much of God as we presently want. Jacob was obsessed with having God and having God's promise over him and his family. Some of us, we aren't obsessed with having God and his kingdom manifest in our family. But Joel, my kids have run away from the Lord. But Joel, this and forget about it. Are you obsessed with having God in your home, in your life? And it doesn't matter if your spouse doesn't want it. It doesn't matter if your kids don't want it. You could be the gateway. You can. If no one else, you can. Okay. It doesn't matter if you're the woman in the relationship, if you're the man, or if you're the leader, if you're not the leader, you can choose to be a leader now. I want God in my home. Guys, watch what will happen because when God shows up, he terraforms things, okay? And so Jacob was wrestling with Jesus and he was so passionate about it, just like you have to start being so passionate about God invading my business, my work, my family, my relationship. You have to wrestle with him and Jesus was actually losing and he had to cheat. I don't know if you guys missed that in the Bible. Jesus couldn't get away and so Jesus had to knock his hip out of the socket. Seriously. And even then, he said, let me go, I gotta go. Jesus talking, that's the new Joel version. And Jacob said, not until you bless me. When was the last time you wrestled with God, with the Holy Spirit? Joel, he never talks to me, wrestle with him. God, I'm not gonna let you go. You haven't spoken to me in 10 years. Today's the day. Don't make me come up there. I will take you down. Seriously. Wrestle with him. Listen to him. Talk to him. If you're not talking to me, I'm talking to you. I'm going to ask you questions and you're going to speak. This isn't, guys, it's not being a spoiled brat. This is like, God, I'm suffering. I need help. I need you in my life. I want you in my life because I realize I'm not experiencing the full life of the Spirit that you promised. Every revivalist in history, guys, ran into this problem where they were so frustrated with what they saw in their life and in the world around them that they wouldn't stop until they let God go. And then it took time, some of them a year, we give up because God's not talking to me for five minutes. I'm going back to Netflix. Guys, you have to be obsessed. Some of you in this room, you have an anointing on your life 
to walk in supernatural healing, signs and wonders, but you haven't seen it yet. What are you doing? Start praying for people. I know John Wimber, the reason why like you and I pray for the sick people like we do now in modern Christianity is because of John Wimber. John Wimber had this calling to heal the sick and he got sick of not seeing people healed. So he started praying for people. And the first number of people that he prayed for died. Talk about discouragement, but he kept going. Guys, no healings for a year. Not even a headache. Not even like, oh, I feel a little tingly. Nothing. But finally, after a year, because he was relentless about seeing God in his life, after a year, he started seeing everyone healed. And now the whole world moves in signs and wonders to some degree because of what was launched out of this ministry. Are you obsessed with having God in your life? And if you want him, it takes the Holy Spirit. And it's, he's not who he think, how you think he is. He's better. He loves you more than you think he does. He's more patient and he's more kind than you think he is. He's not this characterized person that you've thought all along. Guys, the more you get to know him, the more obsessed you become with him. And it's his desire that not that I would tell you about it, but that you would experience him. I want you to stand up to your feet.